Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us on the show today, we have Nick Bonham of FIT Ponter Delice coming to you just outside of Swansea in Wales. Nick, what's going on, sir? How are we today? How are you, Joe? Yeah, very good. Very good, thanks. I am. I'm excited to pick your brain on this and, and see what kind of lessons we can extract from you here, Nick. But for the people listening in the States or, or elsewhere who aren't familiar with you or your gym, give us a little bit of background. When you describe FIT, what do you tell them? So it's, um, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate that. Um, and it's nice just to spread the word really about uh, gyms and and uh, the, the fitness industry. But um, back to your question, um, FIT is a functional integrated training facility. That's what I, the name I come up with um, in 2015. Um, basically, it, it serves multi function multi-purpose to, to athletes, to powerlifters, to Olympic lifters, to football, netball, uh, an array of many sports and teams, um, and just getting people to be functional within the gym environment. So that's what I wanted to try and put across in my my ethos to the gym and about my training and my, my, um, my experiences of having a gym, yeah. Got it. Okay. Now, I always... I'm, I'm interested in how these things get started because gyms gyms don't just pop up. There's quite a process to outfitting and, and getting things ready so that we can actually open the doors day one. Take me back to the day that the idea popped into your head. Not the day that we opened up the doors, the idea of FIT. What was going on and, and how'd you get here? Um, I'd had a gym previously to the one I have now. Um, and that was in a local, um, local village, um, of a suburbs is probably you guys are known, known yeah. with uh, another guy. Um, and it was kind of CrossFit, um, which you guys are very well informed and you know about, um, I wasn't a huge CrossFit and fan to be honest, but I opened this gym with this guy and he wanted me because I had a little bit of knowledge of the training and I knew a lot of people, with my, my rugby background, et cetera, et cetera. So we opened the gym and that's how it started. And that's the idea. I always went to the gym, but I didn't have the, the resources or the funds to, to open the gym. But this gentleman did. Um, and we opened the gym together. And that's how it first um, evolved, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And so we had owned other gyms in the past and got this off the ground, what made you choose to switch from what you described as sort of the CrossFit model to this, where we're at now? Um, it was just my, <clears throat> the ideology of, 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 of wanting um, to get that strength bias programming, followed by, you know, the cardio sessions, followed by anaerobic, aerobic training, all these kind of components. But I felt that when we did the CrossFit, it was it was kind of tailored towards, you know, I've got to beat you, you've got to beat me. Don't worry about the the technique. Um, just go for it, and whoever wins is the better athlete. And I thought, well, hang on now, no, it, 
it's not that's the way it shouldn't be i'd rather teach people movement and fundamental movements that so that's what i always had envisaged in my mind that i wanted to train people the proper way and looking at movement patterns that was really important to me not i'm knocking i'm not trying to be a little crossfit or knock that because there's some fantastic trainers out there definitely but for me i felt that who i was with wasn't offering me that opportunity you know i see okay and and i think that especially here in the states there's this kind of cyclical pattern to where 2008 2009 2010 crossfit started to get popular it hit its peak maybe 12, 13, and then things have been a little bit of a decline. And I think a lot of it is because of what you say. Is it ideal for a certain demographic? Yeah, definitely. But it depends on who we serve. Yeah. And we need to have really, really good coaches to deliver it at that point. You wanted to to teach movement and patterns and help people in a little bit different of a way. Totally fair. That's how we're here here. Look back on the handful of years that you've been doing this with FIT. What's been, what's been your favorite part about being a business owner in this new venture? And what's been the toughest part for you? I think um, the, 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 certainly the best bit was just seeing people coming through your doors and, 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 really enjoying the sessions and enjoying and coming back and saying, look, I love the gym. I love the ambience of the gym. I love the, the, the holy sauce of the gym and it's a community based gym. So for me to have people to say that is, is something that really means a lot. Um, also, I think that the, probably one of the worst things as most gym owners will say was the, the pandemic. It really, really, you know, messed, messed all of us up really. And, Hmm. Um, did you have the same sort of restrictions that that England and the rest of the UK? Yeah, had? yeah, we had quite um, uh, a lot of restrictions actually, and and it was although we did have grants, that wasn't enough to cover us really. And and I was still, right. but the, the best thing I think for me was that uh, and my members, I was quite loyal to them. I I froze everybody's membership, so nobody had to pay anything, and and they were really really loyal to me because of that. I think that was a, just a good thing. I mean. I heard a lot of other gyms in the areas. They didn't do that. They kept on charging members, which I thought was just not a good thing in that period of time, you know? Mm. Yep. Did you find that that helped to save members once you were able to reopen, that more people were willing to come back? Yeah, 100%. They, because I was loyal to them, it was just, you know, they, they were loyal back to me in in, in, in abundance. And I thought that because of that and me, me just something simple as freezing memberships. It helped a massive, um, uh, when we reopened, it was the, the members were back there again. They hadn't moved on, which was, was really, really good. And really, you know, it was helpful to me at that time because the business had, had struggled, you know, as, as anybody else's business would have. Yeah. So that was, was, was a good thing, you know, how do your numbers as far as memberships now compare to 2019 or early 2020 pre pandemic? We've got we've got quite a few more members now. More, few, okay, uh, good. Which, which is which is really really good, you know. And um, but but I was is that type of, of business. I might at a gym, should I say that? I don't have any um, contracts. Um, so if people, that's that's a, probably a good thing and a bad thing. So people like sometimes you're tied into a twelve month contract. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. If people yeah. want to be in the contract, 
we have no contract, so they can they can come and go as they please. Yeah, I think there's there's certainly pros and cons to both, but I find that a yeah. lot more yeah. businesses in this type of model are going the direction that you're talking about post pandemic, especially. Now you mentioned that that we have more members now than we did pre pandemic, and so talk to us a little bit about how we get that done from a from a marketing standpoint either pre-pandemic or post-pandemic what's been successful for you just to find some interested people to join the gym i think um offering one obviously is a, is, a, is a good deal for 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 people coming into the gym and, and having a gym that is is really um what's the word i'm looking for um very open to, to all different athletes and I think um, some, like you said, the contracts, not having contracts is a ma massive plus point for me because people know that they're not tied in. So they can say, oh my God, I can just join up when I, when I want or I can cancel the membership when I want. But I think having a, a local gym in the area and we're only probably, there is another big gym, which is probably I'd say three, four mile up the road, which doesn't, which caters for a lot more bodybuilders. Um, so, I try to stay away from that um, uh, competitor, really. It's they're a far probably bigger gym than I am, and they've been a lot longer there. But yeah. for me, um, I try to get more athletes involved in and, and pursue the gym where I am yeah. more than anybody else, you know? Have you put any kind of money into advertising along the way, or have people just yeah, naturally yeah, found you? Yeah, we've put you? a lot of into, into, into advertisement. Uh, um, We've got a lot of quite a good social media following. Um, our our social media is that stuff. where you advertise on social media? Yeah, 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 on social media, yeah. And obviously, we've got flyers, and we've I probably could do a lot more, but the thing is, I've got another I've got a full time job as well, so it's quite difficult running the two, you know. Yeah, and that full time job probably isn't you know <laughs> as a marketer, is it? No, certainly no. not. That's something I can learn to do. Yeah. What's your experience been with the advertisements? Because at least here in the U.S., it's it usually goes one of two ways. It's that people have spent some money on it and it worked out pretty well, or they've spent some money on it and got very little return, and now they're very turned off by it. What? How has it? How has it been for you? It's 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 a it's a fine it's a fine line. It's a fine balance in it. You can you can throw it in people's faces too much. Or you could not advertise enough. I think social media has been a, a godsend for us. It's been absolutely brilliant. But also word of mouth at the gym. Everybody knows about the local gym. Um, and when they come to the gym, because of the two phases of the gym, multifunctional, uh, where all the classes are held and then all the machines, the other side, it just caters for the two types of athletes, really, or two types of gym goers, which is, I think that's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to achieve. I didn't want just to have all machines. I just wanted to have an area that you could you could Olympic lift in, you could you could run in, you could um, mm. you could do many you know a multitude of things, and that's what I wanted. So when I when I um, had the gym in the first place, um, putting the two together, amalgamating the two was a really really important thing. So I felt that was a key to the, the success of the gym. You know. Sure. Okay. Now bring us to the next step here, Nick. Just just getting someone interested is only half the battle. We do need to sign them up. You already mentioned yeah. not having contracts, but how does somebody say, hypothetically, we have someone interested in joining. 
what are the the checkpoints along the way for them to actually go about signing up? So obviously they'd come meet me first of all. Um, I'd give them a, just a brief tour of the gym, show them all the layout of the gym, and, and explain about um, the, the gym fees, um, explain about the classes, explain about the members of staff that are there. You know, just give them a, it's a, it's a general introduction of how, and especially a lot of first-time people who have never used the gym, it's quite a, a scary um, proposition, I suppose, because there's a lot of gyms out there that, you know, first-time people walk into the gym and think, oh, my, you know, they... they, they they don't want to use the gym. It's quite a, um, like I said, it's quite a scary experience. So just feeling them, making them feel comfortable and make, making them feel that we're there to help them at the end of the day. And that's what it's about. I'm quite passionate about it. It's my own business. I have to be. If I wasn't <laughs> passionate about it, why have a gym, you know? That's, it's, it's even silly that we have to acknowledge that, but that's a really important point in this quote-unquote sales process for someone who may not be as passionate about fitness as you and I and the people that listen to this podcast, we have to communicate enthusiasm and, and lower barriers and make it easy enough for these people to join and, and pull the trigger on this sort of thing. Does a lot of, do or actually let me ask this, do all of the sales or the signups go through you or does any of the other staff have ability? No, the other, it goes through a lot of the other staff as well, but if, if they need need to do inductions i'll be there for induction i'll i mean we've got other staff who can do that but um and i got faith in my other staff but um it's nice to just show your face who you know to see who runs the gym who owns the gym you know it's not mm -hmm. just a, i'm in the background not being there not making a noise I'm, I'm there just to say look hello i'm i'm nick i help you anytime you want to if you come around got good staff and i think yep. it's just um just delivering a nice experience that's what it's about you know what yep. i mean there's too many gyms that aren't don't have that, you know. Part of part of that experience is in some of the other services that you guys offer. Obviously, people can come and use the facility at their leisure, but group training is part of this. Personal training is part of this. How yeah. do you steer people towards using those services if it's if it's a good fit for them? Well, I think um, it's just offering them something different, isn't it? I, I could say to many people, if yourself were coming in the gym, I could say, look, Joe, you're probably an experienced gym goer. But if you want any questions, if you have any questions, don't free to, feel free to ask me. You probably know a lot more than I do. And, and, and we're all learning all the time. If anybody thinks they know everything in this game, they don't know anything because you're always learning in, in the fitness industry, aren't you? So I, it's just we have, we've got about one or two personal trainers there. I'm, I'm a personal trainer myself, but. It's funny, really, because I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of personal trainers. No, <laughs> no, not at all. No. As a service or a fan of personal trainers, I just, I've seen so many bad ones over the, over the, yeah. over the time I've been, been yeah. doing PT, and, and I, I'm not one of those who kids people, and because at the end of the day, you tell people any information, it's only a, you know, a, a click of a button to find out if he's telling the truth or not, isn't it? We can all Google these things, can't we, and use social media. But I just want to be honest with people. You know, what do you want out of the service? What do you want out of training? You know, at, at the end of the day, a lot of people just want to... It's really, really fantastic your mental health, isn't it, more than anything else? Yeah. But some people have a lot of PTs. I'm not saying for everybody. I seem to be generalising, but I'm not. But it's all about them. It's not about your client. It's. It seems that we've lost the personal part of personal training. Yeah which is unfortunate yeah. because 
for a lot of the gym goers that you refer to, and it sounds like a lot of your demographic, it could be a valuable service provided that we have a good delivery of that service. Now, zoom out on all of this, Nick. We've talked about how you got started. We've talked a little bit about how the gym runs today. Tell us where this whole thing is going in your mind or, or in your vision for this, what's your goal for, for fit going forward? Well, I'm, I've got, I've got two young, young, young boys. They're 12 and 14. They're quite good athletes. And for me, I never really thought about it because my, my dad never had, had any experience in the strength and conditioning world or the gym industry. But, but for my two sons and they're quite good sportsmen, it's unbelievable, you know, that, Dad has a little bit of knowledge about training. He can help them. He can improve them. So for me, that is a big, big factor. Helping my children just be able to use the gym is fantastic. And have if they can, if they can lift, if they can move, if they can run and jump, then that's all I want to want them to do. But further on for that, I just I'm 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 not a really I haven't got massive inspirations. I want to make this and I want to do that. It's, it's, I just want to be fairly successful in my own small environment. I, I, I haven't yeah. really want to go bigger and better. I'm, I'm not that kind of guy. And, you know, my ambitions are okay. Maybe, maybe small, maybe, but that for me, it, it works. It works for me down in here. Like I said, the demographic is perfect. You know, yeah. I think, our industry has a tough time with this question because the natural inclination is to answer it with, I'm going to get a location that's twice the size. I'm going to open up two more locations. And that's not always no. the right answer. You know, sometimes, and I think this gets ignored, but it's important as an entrepreneur. Sometimes the ambition or the goal is to have a successful business. Of course, financially, we want to do well, but it's more of a, a personal or a, a time freedom kind of thing. You mentioned I have two young boys. I would imagine, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would imagine it would be great to go to their various sporting events and be able to have a business that operates on its own without Nick needing to be there 23 hours a day. Yeah. I would imagine that... Yeah. And, and a lot of the time, if I'm to, to go out on a limb here, is if we get bigger and get that huge grand location, those types of things become even harder to do because there's so many more moving parts. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you, you're 100% sure. You're right. Uh, I, you know, you, where does it go? You have a bigger gym. You've got you to employ more people. You've got to buy more equipment. What, yeah. Where does it stop, you know? What what it just it's never ended, isn't it? And, and and as you probably know, owning a gym is the the the, the machines cost a lot of money. The the maintenance is a lot of money. The staff yeah. overheads, the renting of the building. It's these are all things. The electricity, the water, the gas, they all add up. And people think you have a gym, and they think, oh, you must be rolling in money. You must be. It's not that way. At all. <laughs> it doesn't work you know, that way. There's a there's a funny way. story. But, but, but the happiness I, I get out of it, <clears throat> as a young child, I was always quite—I was never academic. I was—I was terrible at academics, but I was—I was really, really good at sport. So that was my natural progression. Um, lucky my uh, <clears throat> children follow my mother and their brains and me and their sport. If the other way around, we move <laughs> world of pain. 
so it's uh yeah. no it's great you know just 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 having a gym is there's a lot of headaches to go with it but i gotta say the 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 positive certainly outweigh the negatives there's a there's a funny story that i've heard about a, a mexican fisherman and he's catching all of these fish and piling them up in a bucket and someone walks by and he says man you're, you're so good at this you should get a boat of your own and hire some other fishermen and you could catch even more fish and the, the mexican fisherman asks okay and and then what do i do he said well you could get another boat and and fill that up with fishermen you could catch even more and make all of this money and he says okay well then what do i do well as after you get three or four boats and they're all fully stocked with with people fishing for you you could oversee all of this and, and get an office and a headquarters and so okay then what do i do I said well eventually when you're successful enough you could fish all day on your own <laughs> <laughs> everything everything comes full circle yeah, anyway yeah. it sounds to me like that's the direction of all of this now one final question for you, Nick, because I think with the with the state of affairs economically and politically in your part of the world, operating a business can get a little bit haphazard at times. What do you think could be some potential challenges or potential hurdles for you here in the next handful of years? Um, I don't think passion is an issue because I'm always passionate about about the strength and condition in the gym itself, but it all depends on the landlord as well. He's um, he's quite wealthy. He doesn't really care for the business around there. He'd probably put the, the the lease up or he'll put the the agreement up, which I'm tied. Well, I'm tied in for a five year lease anyway. But you know that's probably hanging over me. You know, I'd I'd like to buy the gym if 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 I could, but I can't see that happening. Um, Going back to your previous question, if I was going to do anything, I'd probably, if money was fairly surplus, I'd like to build my own gym, really. But um, that's probably a long way off. But it's probably just getting probably a few more members involved um, because the gym is is quite, it can run in itself. I mean, the, the gym, I must say, is probably... It could do probably a lot better than 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 if I wasn't working uh, full time as well, you know. But it's hard. It's hard managing the two together. It's really really tough, you know. If people can think they can do it, it's <laughs> you got to have a lot of good people behind you as well to help you and a good team behind you. Really, and my wife is one of that. She's very very good as well. So, but there are a few ob- obstacles that's going to come my way, and you just got to kind of cross them when it comes to it, cross our bridge when it comes to it, you know. Yeah. That is a tremendous perspective. Nick, a great place for us to wrap our conversation up, but in the short bit of time we have left, why don't you tell our listeners where they could learn more about FIT? Is there a website? Is there social media? Yeah, there's a website. It's called uh, f.i.t. Pontilice. You can can just uh, get on the website, have a look, have a browse. uh, you can you can and you can show all the pictures what we do um where we are that would address and if you fancy um you've got a number on there you can contact me nicholas bonham or you can contact me on my hotmail nicholas bonham at um hotmail.com.co.uk and just ask me any questions and hopefully it'll be a good experience absolutely nick this has been a bunch of fun i i appreciate 
these types of conversations and, and getting to see how gyms operate in other parts of the world. So I appreciate your perspective and your willingness to share. It's all the time we have, but I wish you nothing but the best moving forwards. Thank you, Joel. Thank you for your time. Thank you Absolutely. very much. To everyone who tuned in, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you would like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily, and joining us on the show is Natalie from Body Unlimited Fitness, aka Buff. What's going on, Natalie? How are you doing today? I am wonderful. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> Thank you for asking. We're both fully caffeinated, as we were discussing earlier. <laughs> so, before we dive into the nitty gritty of what you guys have going on and how you run Body Unlimited Fitness, Tell us a little bit about how you describe the business to people and what made you want to start your gym in the first place. Sure. So um, we are considered a full service fitness studio, um, sort of completely doing it, uh, an overhaul over the way that fitness is approached. We are a private studio, but I have handpicked uh, fitness trainers on our team where we work as a team, which is a little bit different than what is out there. Um, and we kind of combine our efforts and our expertise to deliver to people a situation where they can come in and be heard and they can truly get what it is that they're looking for without someone barking at them, what they're, what they think needs to happen. So when someone comes to us, um, a lot of the times, you know, there might be a sensitivity or health issue, or maybe they're, for me, it's not a health issue. Maybe they're completely healthy, but they're lost and have no idea what to do. Whatever the situation might be, we will listen in every possible way we can. We will do as many assessments as we possibly can to get such a full understanding of this person as fast as we can so that we can give to them what it is that they truly need and what they want. And, and maybe even more than that, you know, more than they even realize what they needed in the first place. Um, and we make sure that the person on our team is the right person to work with them. Um, and then along the way, we continue to tweak things to help that person. And we pull from a million different modalities. So fitness is such a huge subject. Um, I mean, you know, we've got yoga, Pilates, uh, resistance. Uh, sorry about that. I'll put that on my break. Um, we've got such a huge, there's like every sound in the world going <laughs> off. <laughs> it's so okay. Um, so uh, kickboxing, uh, martial arts. I mean, there's so many ways a person can use their body, right? 
So I feel in my business, it's really important to kind of be versed in a lot of different things, a lot of different modalities, because sometimes someone might need a little kickboxing in their life. So, you know, to help them get to where they want to go, but also to enjoy using their body in a healthy way. Um, did that answer the entire question? Yeah, <laughs> that answered the question. And okay. the other thing um, I forgot to mention is that this is your second time coming on the show. So, you know, I definitely wanted to make sure that we talk about like some of the, the changes that you've made over the past, you know, six, eight months, uh, in particular, like advertising and marketing. So could you tell us a little bit about where your business was a few months ago, six, seven months ago, and some of the, you know, cool and exciting things that you have decided to change and like what results have come of that? So I think I'd like to start off answering that by saying that uh, my intuition is fairly, fairly strong. And um, so far, everything that I've done marketing wise kind of reaffirms what I was feeling from the get go. Um, we do live in this world that operates so much on social media. Um, but I also feel that there is a disconnect with some of that social media. And I, when I spoke with you guys last time, I was sort of just in this meditative state of, I want to do something marketing wise, but wasn't sure what to do yet. So I went ahead and hired this company that works with my booking software, who, you know, they've been doing this a long time. They're not like a new company by any means. Um, but I decided to invest in Facebook ads, some Google ads, some, you know, all around kind of an umbrella social media ad campaign. And I'm still in the middle of it, um, but I've been doing it for a couple months now. And I will say this. Um, I don't know that it's translating um, the way that I know um, the way that the amount of passion and the amount of um, the vast knowledge and, and base and mission that I have with what it is that I'm doing with Body Unlimited Fitness, um, there's sort of this surface level um, of information that gets transmitted via social media, via ads, I should say, because in social media, obviously you can post a, a million different things and all sorts of videos and people get to know you. Um, however, up to this point, I've taken a very private, um, approach to social media. Um, I've posted things here and there. What do you mean by private approach? So everybody's journey is so vastly different with our clients. Um, it's almost like, okay, if you imagine the scenario where um, someone is seeking out a shaman, you know, who's like out somewhere in the world and you've got to take a plane and you've got to go travel somewhere to find this person that, you know, you heard through someone else and it's very hard to find them. And then you got a hold of them. And then, you you know, it's this sort of um, journey of getting to this healer and then you get to the healer and then you do all this work and nobody, it's not broadcasted. It's not like you're, you're having a video. It's your private journey. 
and in something that you get to speak of. Um, we live in a world where everything is broadcasted all the time. And I think it takes us away from the experience of what is actually going on. Um, because we're all worried, you know, everyone's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta broadcast this, broadcast this to the world. I've got to every day or, you know, every so many days or every week, I've, I've got to, um, take this out to the world. And there are some things absolutely that I think are so important to share with the world, but you do not have to share every single part. Um, it's, it's, if it takes you, if it takes you away from the actual experience and journey and the connectedness of it, that is the danger of constantly broadcasting. So up till now, now that may change in the future. I have been very private with what I share um, with the studio. I might share some pictures or I might, you know, um, say something uplifting or inspiring, but when it comes to people's personal journeys and what they're really doing, um, I haven't really been sharing that at all. And I think that's confidential. And I think that that's, um, a very deep and, and private thing to communicate to, to the world that highly depends on the comfortability of the clients and um, what it is that they want to share. And it's, it's very difficult for me and my position to broadcast stuff on social media when it doesn't do it justice. It doesn't. That's what you're just saying. That's what you're just saying. So you're basically like for the testimonials and the stuff that you you do have you haven't chosen to like really like put that out there for everybody to see because I mean that is you know pretty personal stuff um and it's definitely way more it's about way more than um losing fat sometimes losing fat it just ends up really being the byproduct of so many other amazing things that can happen on this type of journey um so okay so you took a look into like the Facebook ads and some paid advertisement what did those what kind of ads were you doing then if you weren't necessarily doing like a testimonial or a transformation post? So we were offering uh, or are still offering um, like a free booklet of healthy eating. And so um, you can, you know, go online and click on it and download this, this free thing that you get to keep for, um, for, you know, healthy foods uh, or healthy meals that you can, um, that you can sort of fix for yourself, which is a very broad topic and and highly depends on everyone's, you know, food sensitivities, but it's something for people to kind of look at. And again, um, if you're really, if you really want me to be so insanely honest, that is another subject where, see, what I have an issue with that I'm trying to shift the dialogue on in this, in this whole fitness industry is that things cannot just sit at the surface level. You can't just, you know, everyone's searching online, like, what should I eat, you know, or what, that's such a broad topic. And it, everyone needs to be able to understand themselves, but they can't just go online and have the computer tell them what to do. Um, And the same idea with, you know, I can't just give everyone this general food eating guide that's going to work for everyone. It's general. That is the key word. It's very general. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes you have to just, you have to offer something in order to get people like get their foot in the door. So even though it may be general, would you say that, so you're offering like a, something in exchange for people's like contact information or like, how does that work? 
Yeah, no, they can click on it and download it. They're not obligated to, you know, um, send me a contact submission, but they can. And so, um, you know, we're out there with the ads. We've got some videos up there too with things that we've, um, like a, a this very cute video that was put together for us um, that combines a lot of different things inside the studio and things that we've done outside the studio with like the cancer support center that's in the area. Um, so it's it's really fun. Um, but again, there's a disconnect between, in my opinion, um, with Facebook ads and even Google, there's a disconnect between you know, people are looking for results. They want to see like, what can you do for me? And what have you done? Um, but then there's this whole other like section, this deep section of, of what's actually happening and how we approach things. That's very hard to translate into an ad. Um, and so I have, I have yet to find the right if it even exists, if there's a, a right way to be able to um, broadcast that sense of um, that depthness in in how we approach things. Uh, You're saying via about, like you, by using paid advertisement. Correct. What you mean. So mm -hmm. I'm, my next question for you would be: We briefly touched on just like okay, you're putting something out there of value just so you yeah. can get people like in your community because like you said some people they think that they want to lose you know whatever 20 30 pounds but that might that is important but also they may need some more things outside of that so right. it's like once somebody is in your community based off of a piece of content that you provided that they found was valuable like yeah. what are your next steps after that <laughs> <laughs> so it's quite easy um they just need to contact they contact us and then we set them up for an initial assessment uh-oh did we freeze i can still hear you oh, okay uh-oh there we go um i i usually talk with people on the phone first just to answer their questions mm -hmm. um, or email or whatever their preferred method of contact is. Um, and then, um, you know, if they so choose, they can then come to us for an assessment. Um, can you still hear me? I don't know. There's some. No, yeah, I can still hear you. Okay. Um, so it's a very seamless, easy uh, process for them to come into us so that we can then start to help them. And even then, if they come in for the assessment, there's no obligation to continue training if they feel like it's not the right fit. So they come in, we give them a ton of information for them to take home that will help them on their journey with or without us, which is really important to us, that even on that first session, that they get so much information to help them, to support them, um, that you know either we're the right fit and they want to continue training with us, or they've realized you know maybe I can do this on my own or whatever the case may be, and they take our information and they run with it, or maybe whatever you know maybe they trust. Um, life is about choices, so. We just want to make sure that we're mutually choosing to work with one another. Uh, once we can uh, fit 
cast it into a new phase. <laughs> Sorry, you're the there's the lagging thing is happening again. Sorry, you're the there's the lagging thing is happening again. Uh oh. Um, let me see something. I have an idea. Um, I don't know that that is like a Wi. Is that a Wi-Fi thing or like a Zoom thing? It's like a Wi. Is that a Wi-Fi thing or like a Zoom thing? Can you hear me? Yeah, that's so much better. We're gonna try. We're gonna try this and see if this is better. Hopefully, we honestly might have to redo this. Just I have to see what they say about the audio. Okay. Okay. But I'll. I'll. Would you be open to redoing it? Yeah, that's okay with me. Um, I yeah, I don't know what's going on. Um, it's either Zoom or you know I'm right next to my router, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was just reading that. Usually, I don't know. Is the same thing happening on your end? It's like my voice starting to lag. It's like it's, it was like you were talking in slow motion. Really? Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. It, um. But you did freeze a few times. I got you. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know that they'll be able to cut this part out, but we can just kind of pick up where we left off. And then if the audio is okay. like too bad, then I'll reach out to you to let you know. Okay. All right. Sounds so, fair enough. All right. So let's transition to talking about, excuse me, some of your long term goals and what you guys are working towards in 2023. So my question for you is like a year from now, where do you want your, your business to be and how do you want things to change and develop? Is there any like a challenge in particular that you guys are working through right now? So um, right now the challenge is finding another space that meets our needs to um to expand so um there are certain things that i look for when it comes to a good space for clients to come in and and you know do their thing and for trainers to do their thing um and you know the right area and uh, all those things and after the pandemic one of the challenges has been that everything is the the prices for renting a space or buying a space whichever one is just it's astronomical i mean it's so astronomical um that it's almost impossible unless you have some sort of you know shark investing in in you which we actually do have some investors people who've been really really dying for us to expand but even with that i can't wrap my brain around paying this this astronomical amount for rent every month or for um you know what's out there it's just so crazy to me um and it makes you go how is anyone managing right now um and i know that there's a lot of people closing and there's a lot of people moving and there's a lot of you know movement in that kind of way um, but I don't, I'm not going to give up. Like I, I really want to be of service to people. So it's just been this like long search, I guess, if you will. And I don't know if 
if or when that is going to change as far as just the cost of things. Um, but I think it's a real problem. It's a real problem for those of us who are trying to do something good in this world, you know, really trying to be of service. And it, it makes it this crazy obstacle to, you know, figure out. Yeah. Okay. So you guys are expanding into this space. That's really exciting. It is very exciting. Absolutely. Um, so it's kind of like being on the hunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so last question that I have for you is, um, considering that you've been in the industry for 15 years or so, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing what you know now, I want you to think back 15 years ago um, and give yourself a piece of advice that you needed to hear prior to starting out on your journey. Yeah. Um, I would have just told myself to go for it, you know, just which I mean, I, I don't know that I would change anything. I, I've been I it really I mean, I've been. um I've been my own advocate based on, you know, my personal life history, um, which is like a whole nother conversation. But um, I, I'm very good. I'm very confident in trusting myself and paying attention to what feels right to me. And I think that's what I've been doing this whole time. Um, and anytime I become clear about something, I do go for it. And um, so back at the very, very beginning, I think I probably just would have been like, you know, like, if, you know, just, yeah, you're good. You're good. You know, when you make new decisions for anyone, I think there's this sense of like, am I doing the right thing? Is this right? Like, I don't know. You, you worry about the how, you know, uh, you have a, you have this thing that you want to do, but you're not sure how it's going to all work out. So if anything, I would have just given myself that extra support of like, yeah, don't worry about the how, just go for it, you know? Um, and that way to just quell my brain a little bit. And um, so up till now, though, um, even not always knowing about the how, those kinds of things reveal themselves as you take your next step. Yeah, I think that is... I think that's good advice there. So, Natalie, <laughs> this is a really good place for us to wrap things up on this episode. But okay. before we sign out, please tell our listeners where they can find you. Uh, so you could find me at buffstudio.com. That's spelled B-U-F as in fitness, studio.com. Um, and you can also just email me directly at natalie at buffstudio.com. That's spelled N-A-T-A-L-I-E. And um, you can actually reach me directly. Now, this is a number you can text on. So that would be 818-430-6025. Texting would be the fastest way to get a hold of me. Uh, you can also, um, you know, look us up on uh, Instagram, which is at Buff Studio. All righty. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. You know, we really appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast. So yeah, everybody who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget if y'all want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lewis out.
Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords Podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'm your host today, Adam, and today with me, I have a super special guest. His name is Matt with Legends Boxing out of Scottsdale, Arizona. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. We appreciate that. Appreciate you taking time out of your day to sit down and chat and learn all about what it is that you do. Yeah, so, I'm excited. Excellent. Well, with that being said, man, go right ahead and you know we'll go right into it. Just tell the audience a little bit about yourself you know, maybe some experiences or passions that led up to this Legends Boxing. All right. <laughs> well, I um, I live in Park City, Utah right now. My my gym location is down in Scottsdale, Arizona. And um, why do I own this? So you go back to back, back to 20, 2007, when the Great Recession started to happen. And I had a real estate appraisal business that I owned at the time. It was doing okay, but, you know, with a, a great meltdown, stock market falling, nobody wants to buy real estate, everybody's getting foreclosed on, there was a need for appraisals that drastically went down. So I stuck I stuck it out, but it was really painful. But during that time, I decided I didn't ever want to be beholden to um, the whims of government laws and the economy. And so I was looking for another income source um, that would insulate me from that. And about that time, about 2014 or so, I ran into a friend who had a boxing gym here in Utah. Um, and it was just, it wasn't a franchise. It was just a local uh, gym that him and his brother were running. And he needed some help on helping um, tweak the operation systems and, and just to make it run smoother. And so I bought him as a partner as the operations person. Um, and again, one, because I wanted a, a, a supplemental income. And two, I've always had a passion for fitness. I used to be in bodybuilding when I was in college. And I've always had a passion for fitness. And then on top of that, I really, really enjoy helping people. And I like to work in a space where there's a positive feedback cycle. In other words, with, with working out in gyms, people come, they get their endorphins going, they get results, they feel happy about themselves and leave happy. And usually, for the most part, you only get good positive feedback, which is great. So um, the three of us started streamlining the, um, the business and started making it better. The membership started growing and growing. And we decided that we wanted to expand However, to expand, it took more money to open more locations, and we didn't want to, you know, risk all of our capital doing that. So franchising sounded like the best, the next best, best option, best option. And so eventually, we um, we scaled it, and we found another financial partner to bring come in and, and make it a national franchise. Um, so that's how I got started with Legends Boxing. I did sell, sell my um, ownership out back in 2018, so I'm not an owner of the overall franchise anymore. But and part of the buyout is I got to keep, I got to start a location down in Scottsdale, Arizona, 
and also the area representative rights down there too. So, um, and I just love being in the gym business for the reason that's positive feedback cycle. Oh, I appreciate you sharing that. That's awesome. So you kind of, uh, you know, turned, you know, what you loved into something that could create return for you. And right. still, yeah, that's right. Cool, man. Well, appreciate that again. Uh, let's kind of dive in a little bit, you know, walk me through how big is the square footage and how many members do you currently have? So the square footage is, I think, around um, 2,800 square feet, right around there. Um, we have about 150 members right now. And um, it is boxing and fitness. So, but, so it's not, we're not teaching people how to go fight, but we do, we do, we do teach people real boxing skills. And what I mean by that is, there's a lot of other gyms that do boxing. Um, usually they're doing boxing fitness, but people go in and they're hitting the bag or kick, kicking the bag or whatever. And it's just a great workout for them. They lose, you know, they lose weight. They, they shed a lot of calories, um, but they're not necessarily re learning real boxing skills. And so our, our coaches are trained and certified to teach people uh, real boxing skills. And so we're paying attention to people's form. And um, while they're getting a great workout, they're actually learning the real martial art of boxing too. But they're not getting hit in the face either, so they're not taking that risk. So that's where we differentiate ourselves is that we're doing really bo real boxing for people. No, that makes sense. Not everybody wants to come in and be, you know, the next fighter, the next UFC fighter, you know, the Michael Tyson. So mm -hmm. that's right. You know, when, when people usually go to a boxing club, um, I call them, um, they go in and, and they just are thrown in the ring and, they, and they're getting put in a fight. And if they last a day, they may want to keep them to box. But it's just really intimidating normally to go into a normal boxing club um, that's going to teach real boxing. And so. Um, that's one of the things that we work really hard on is making sure people don't feel intimidated. There's no reason they should because they're not going to get hit in the face or anything, but they don't know that coming in. So one of our core values is real to teach real boxing. Another core value is belong. We want everybody to feel like they belong there. Let's like cheers. You know, everybody knows your name. So to make them feel very comfortable. Um, and then of course, our other core value is results. We really want them to get results. And sometimes Results doesn't mean fitness-wise. Sometimes people come in and go because they're just sick of being around their kids all day long and they need a break, or they're at work and they're really frustrated. They can take it out on a bag. So results doesn't just mean fitness. It can mean many other things too. 100% agree. There's, there's meaningful disciplines and instructions behind fitness, whatever that might mean for you know, you know us or somebody that's walking into a facility and things like that. Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, in a roundabout way you kind of gave a little bit of a speech but kind of give like your elevator pitch for the facility so as far as you know exactly all of the services all the classes that are offered and then to piggyback that if somebody were to come into your facility new not a member maybe heard about you from you know uh, another friend or something like that what would be that initial consultation as far as how would you determine a if they're a good fit and or b if you guys are a good fit for them that's a great question so we usually we give people a free workout to try. That's kind of our hook um, to get people to come try it out. Um, we do our best before they show up to find out why they want to come. You know, what are their fitness goals, or what are they looking to get out? What are they looking to get out of coming to the gym? Um, we have them come about fifteen minutes early before class for a couple of reasons. One, we want to build rapport and a relationship with them, um, help them trust us, and, and and feel comfortable around there. 
but we also need to get the hands wrapped and we also need to teach them some basic punches so they don't feel weird when the class starts. Um, so we got to spend some time just giving them some very basics to begin with. But really the whole reason is to build some rapport. Um, and then we'll introduce them to some of the members so they can build a relationship with them and even feel more comfortable introducing to our head coach. Um, and once the class started, we really we don't specialize in different classes. They're all boxing fitness classes. We do have a new workout every day. It's similar to Orange Theory where there's a new workout every day, but every every franchise in the system is doing the same workout. If that's if you know what I mean. So our corporate is coming out with a new workout every day that we use. Um, but as our member, our our you know, our prospect is going through the workout, our head coach or our coach is paying attention to them, giving them tips, making sure their form is right, things like that. Now, of course, they have to be physically capable to get into the workout. And sometimes workouts are pretty rough. And so we help them modify the workout if we need to or whatever. Um, but at the end of the workout, what we do is um, we have them move back up with our head coach. Head coach gives them some great feedback. And based on that person's goals, the head coach prescribes, hey, listen, you probably, if you do your goals, you probably should come three times a week or whatever. Um, and then the head coach hands them back to our account manager, who then goes over the pricing with them based on what the head coach prescribed to them is how many weeks. Like, if you want to come three times a week, this is probably the best membership for you to save the most money, but also get to where you want. Um, so that's really kind of how the sales process goes um, with Legends. Got it. Very, very familiar with that, as I've probably spoken those words a few times myself. So, um, well, cool, Matt. Um, so let's, you know, dive into the to the lead part of things. You know, what are we doing to bring leads into the door right now? Well, you know, I did a, I just did a look at this morning. We do a lot of social media marketing. We have a, a social media marketing company that that we have do our our leads for lead gen for us. So on social social media, meaning Facebook and Instagram, we have a lot of paid sponsored leads. Usually the hook is come try a free workout. Sometimes we'll give a free month or whatever. And that's where we get a lot of our leads in. Those aren't the most effective way I discovered this morning. I mean, we get a lot of leads, but as far as the conversion rate from them to become an actual member, the the it's pretty low. Um, so the other way we get leads is, of course, we work hard on asking members to refer or bring their friends in with them. And we usually give the members a sip for bringing a friend in. And if their friend joins, they'll get like $50 off the next month membership. Or we do have a little bit of a pro shop where we have branded things um, in our pro shop where we'll, we'll give the member a discount too. Um, and so we try, you know, the best, the best leads are referrals. So we work hard on that. Um, the other source that we get leads for is we call it grassroots marketing. And so we like to get out into the community, let people know that we exist. Um, we do like to make, we, I call them business buddies, but they're just partnerships with other non-competing gyms or, you know, coffee shops or smoothie shops. And we like to make partners with them where we can leave our marketing material at their place. They can leave their marketing material at our place. We have once a month um, membership um, appreciation events, and we, we invite, the, you know, three or four of our business buddies to come over to set up shop. And then they can offer their services and expose our members to our service, their services. And we do that. We hope that they will do that in exchange with us to where we can go set up a table at their place and get exposed to their membership. Um, that's really what we're focusing on right now. I think that's more effective than our digital marketing. And then, of course, we join the Chamber of Commerce and we do networking events with other businesses in the area, too. Awesome. 
lots of sounds like you do lots of you know multiple avenues of marketing rather than just sticking to one stream yeah we're always open to more avenues of marketing i call them fishing holes you know and in the past i think the digital marketing social media and marketing has been fairly effective but i, I think it's I mean, it's getting pretty saturated out there with people getting bombarded with sponsored ads and things like that. And I am concerned that that fishing hole may dry up or it is drying up. And you don't want to be in one fishing hole all the time. You want to have a different fishing hole that's effective all the time. So um, we're, we'll try different movie gen sources and stuff. Um, we're always open to it because we don't things change. And so it seems to me like maybe social media might be changing. And so we've got to focus more on organic tech marketing now. That's not the way I feel. Yeah, uh, you know, piggybacking off your point, you know, it's a kind of a line. It's like, you know, there is, there is lots of saturation um, and a lot of people will try certain things and then, you know, maybe they'll get results for six months. Mm -hmm. Then they'll try something else. It, you know, I don't think there's a, a one size fits all for every single entity there, mm -hmm. you know, but I do feel that you know, and a lot of gym owners align with this and you, you could probably attest to this is that, you know, when you have X, Y, and Z forms of marketing streams, then it's better than having Y and you're relying on that one source. Kind of like, we'll say successful people, you know, they don't have just one stream of income. They have five streams of income where right. they're not relying on one thing. And if it sinks, then, oh man, I'm, I'm done. I'm sitting down. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you know, you touched on you know obviously a lot of gyms use paid advertising what for you you know when you say that it has been the most effective as far as like closing percentage things like that what's kind of if you don't mind me asking dive in a little bit more like what's been your your theology of you know the leads that are coming in obviously we know we're gonna get fake leads we're gonna get leads that are just click okay don't touch me don't talk to me whatever mm -hmm. so what's kind of you know been you know getting them in you know maybe um when they get in they're just you know not interested or even before you get them in like you're on the on the phone or texting them or emailing them kind of you know just what's been the experience with that yeah well you know if they're digital marketing if they're digitally the funny thing is sometimes we'll call people and say hey we, we see you know we have automation too. So somebody see, comes in as a lead, it gets into put our head into our CRM and our CRM automatically sends them an email and a text. So when the people are legitimately interested, they'll text right back and we know they're probably going to come in. But a lot of times they don't text back. And sometimes when we get a hold of these folks, they're like, how did you even find me? I didn't fill out my information. And we're like, well, your information is with us. You had to touch on a website somewhere and put your information in. <laughs> Um, and I think sometimes like um, our people's phones will auto automatically fill those um, areas with them not knowing it. I don't know how else to explain it and their lead gets sent to us. So um, that's just kind of a, a big question mark we have on, on what's going on with that. But, you know, if they say they're not interested, um, you know, they can't, they don't want to do it. We don't get rid of that lead because we strongly believe that just because they say, say no right now doesn't mean not ever, you know, timing may be wrong for them right now. We always hold on to that lead. We're always calling these leads probably, are, we call them cold leads that are 30 days or older. We're always reaching out to them once a month or so through text, a phone call or an email. And we do have a lot of people join, you know, six months, a year down the road after they become a lead because the timing is right. So just because somebody says no now doesn't mean that they're not a good lead. They're just, you know, be patient. And then of course, if they say they're not interested, don't call me anymore, then we take them off our list. Um, so, 
as far as you know, as far as the most effective way to get leads, uh, and it's probably the least number of volume that we get leads, but it's always a referral. If a member brings in a family member or a friend, the percentages of them becoming a member are, you know, it's a very much very higher than just a digital lead. Yeah. Yeah. Word, word of mouth referrals are great because, like you said, it's coming from somebody who's already in there. It's like, oh man, like there's this great place. Owner's super cool. Trainers are cool. Uh, so they're obviously going to go check it out and feel more inclined to join with a, their friends and, you know, a quality source. So yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, another, I forgot another lead source is just people walking in. We call them walk-ins. And, you know, we used to have our account manager working in the mornings uh, during class and a little bit after class. They'd go home in the afternoon and they'd come in home in the evenings and the dead spaces in the afternoon and things like that. And what we found is we were missing out on a lot of people because people would come and walk in and nobody was there to talk to them. So now we have, now we have our staff there all day long um, to make sure we can capture those leads. And we get a lot of leads just from walking in interested. And they're pretty effective, too. They wouldn't walk in if they weren't interested. And um, My point being is, is that if a person has a gym and it has a good uh, location where it's noticeable, um, just because it's dead time doesn't mean nobody should be in there because you can get a lot of people walking in. Yep, nail on the head right there. It's It's always good. You know, what's like Orange Theory, for example, you know, usually there's a gap between one and four or one and three depends on, you know, the facility. I've been in some that didn't have a class till four, some that had a class at three, but there's always somebody there where if the phone rings, there's a Facebook inquiry, there's, you know, somebody just walks in, like you said, it's like, hey, boom, let's, let's show them the walk-in process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, Matt, you know, let's, let's kind of talk goals real quick, you know, you're at 150 members, 2,800 square feet. We got some room to grow. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to take this thing? You know, do you want, obviously you aren't a quote unquote part of the ownership of the place, but what do you want to do personally? Like, where do you want to take this thing? Well, I want to take, you know, I think our gym, 300 members, I think full capacity would be probably be 400, but 300 members, um, I think would be a great number. And I, some of the other locations, the other legislative locations have this number of members and it's a pretty sweet spot because the monthly revenue is, you know, you're making money, you're not losing money every month, you're not just breaking even. So that gives you a lot of padding as far as income, which is, you know, the main reason we're doing this. But also as far as the class utilization, the bigger classes, the more energy and the more fun for most people usually. And what we don't like to see is do we have a class and two people come to class um and we're, we'll coach them of course but i think it's just a lot more energy if we have a lot more class utilization so 300 members seems to be a great number for us to have a great utilization and also make money too now we're open to having 400 members or whatever too but i think once we get 300 members it's time to decide okay do we want to do we want to stay here um or do we want to open another location um and do it over again right scale it larger as uh you know maybe alex would say um yeah no that those are great goals you know 300 members obviously depending on you know membership price point things like that, that's going to give you some freedoms and some 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 flex decisions is what i call them to be able to make you know the next move yeah and honestly i think i'm not so confident in our pricing right now i think that we're lower i know we're lower pricing than most boutique fitness gyms not just boxing fitness but most all other boutique fitness gyms in the Scottsdale area were quite a bit lower in price point. And I think that it's, we can we can raise our price point by quite a bit and be successful. Um, and by the way, I, I know that, um, that probably people that come to boutique fitness, they go to you know two or three other concepts at the same time. Your gym's not the only gym. And 
I, I keep on telling my account managers, hey, they're like, well, we, I don't know if this person can afford it. And I'm like, you know, most people go to two or three other gyms at the same time. They can afford it. Myself, I go to three gyms myself, and two of them are boutique fitness gyms. And so I think our price point's too low right now. And I'd like to play with the pricing. Yeah. Now, random question. Is that something that your individual franchise can change or because of the, the corporate model, is that something that it would have to be a discussion with the owner of the actual, the corporate? Yeah. So I'm going to have to have a discussion with corporate. You know, I, I wish I could just go change it myself, but part of that's one thing about being part of a franchise is to get a discussion with corporate and get their approval. And I'm hoping that they'll give me the go ahead and maybe just let, let me be a prototype and see how it works. And if it works, they can pass it on to the other franchisees. But um, yeah, that's something I'm having a discussion with them before we can actually pull the trigger on that. Yeah. But you know, I think it's all about per perception too. Uh, the lower price, people think that let's have a race to the bottom with lower prices so that more people will join. But then what's the perceived value when somebody comes into a gym and they're the lowest price point in the whole town? You know, it's it, for some reason, perception is reality. And if you raise the prices, to, people will actually... Um, respect it more and accept that they'll, they'll give you more value. Mentally, they think you have more value than a race to the bottom. And I've seen that like with Rolex watches, for, for example. I don't know a whole lot about how Rolex watches are built. I'm sure they're, they're built very, very nice, lifetime warranties and all that stuff. But really, you take a Rolex watch and another knockoff brand that looks like a Rolex, they both give the time. Um, and you can go buy one down in Mexico that looks like a Rolex and nobody knows the difference. It's the Rolex name that has the, the value to people, not necessarily how awesome of a watch it is um, with how it's built. Nail on the head. Absolutely. It's, it's not our job to decide for the customer what we think they should pay mm -hmm. versus we build them, we give them the information and say, this is what you're going to get for mm -hmm. that. Right. And, you know, so, you know, not obviously that's, you know, wording and things like that, but like, you know, it's, it's just one thing where like, you know, us as, as owners or, or people that are on like management side and things like it's, you know, we're selling a quality product that is going to get you X results if you do this. Mm -hmm. so, right. Um, yeah, man, no, that, that 300 member goal and the, the, the perspective on the point is a hundred percent, you know, realistic as far as, you know, being in Scottsdale, Arizona and things like that, you know, I've been out that way and it's, it's a great area. You love it. So much entertainment, so many different things to do. Definitely some money out that way. Yeah. Um, one thing about Scottsdale also is I've learned that it's a little bit more of a transient area compared to other parts um, where I've, you know, in Utah where I, I owned a gym. Um, the members there are more transient. A lot of, a lot of them come and go, they, they move there for a job and they're going to leave. Uh, a lot of people come in seasonally. They come in there to live during the winter because it's nice out, and then they go somewhere else. So we've had to work around that too, as far as the seasonality and transit, transient um, type of members. Yeah, I'm familiar with that as well. You know, Delray Beach, Florida. I worked out that way, and very transient. I mean, I'm talking the snowbirds, the the CEOs. They'll come there. They'll fly for six months. They'll they'll do all sorts of things. So you know, there's definitely there's avenues around it and it does come down to the grind. Mm -hmm. yeah, so yeah, I, I understand your point 100%. Yeah. Uh, Matt, so, you know, walk me through 
what's kind of like the the blueprint, the footprint? How many leads are coming in your door, you know, week over week, month over month? Mm -hmm. So right now, um, I'm looking at my numbers right now, so I can actually give you some real data. Love it. Uh, January, we had 90 leads. December, we had 91. <laughs> November, 69, that makes sense. Thanksgiving. You know, we're between 75 and 90 right now. That is not where we want to be. When we first opened, we were between 100 and 120 consistently. So something's changed there where we're not getting as many leads. Um, and, you know, a lot of the leads we get are social media leads. And so I think, like I said, I think it's getting saturated out there in that avenue. That fishing home may not be as um, as viable as it used to be. Um, so we need we for us we i feel to hit our ratios with our current ratios closing ratios and things like that we need to have 120 leads a month um to get to our goal of 300 fairly quickly yeah speaking of that goal what kind of time frame would you be looking at to you know realistically achieve that you know just being conservative i think if we can add a net new member of 10 to 15 members a month um you're looking probably at a year or so, 10, 10 times 120. Yeah, about it. About a year or to a year or to, you know, one and a half years from now is when we could hit 300 if we stay on pace to, you know, get a net new membership of 10 to 15. I think a net new membership of 10 to 15 is too low. Um, but based on our current numbers, that's what we're looking at. You know, you, you, and it's all about, not all about, but a lot of it's about retention, right? You don't want more members walking out your back door than you do the front door. And so we've been working really hard on retaining our members too and getting our retention or attrition ratio low. You know, our ideal attrition ratio is 7%. I think it's, that's not an awesome number, but, you know, we've had it to 10 to 15% a month before, losing 10 to 15% a month. And so that's not sustainable. So we've been working hard on, on trying to retain those members, not just getting new members as well. If we yeah. can get our attrition ratio down, then we can get to our 300 members a lot faster. Yeah, they, to your point, a hundred percent. If you're having almost as many people walk out the door as are coming in the door, then it makes it a little more difficult to grow. Versus, you double the show ratio, you double the conversions, mm -hmm. keep that attrition there minimum right. or less. Then it's like, okay, now we're really making the magic happen. Yeah, and you know, we we do um we change our policies in the beginning. We people we just let people quit. We'd ask them on the phone why they're quitting, and they'd tell us. But you know, they don't always tell you the truth on the phone, or they don't want to hurt your feelings or whatever. So we start a process where they have to fill out a form. I was an Orange Theory member here in Utah, or M, and I've had to cancel before, and they make me come in and fill out a form, or they, they actually send me a form I have to print out and manually sign. I'm like, come on, guys, this is like old school stuff. <laughs> Why could I have to manually sign that? But then I thought about it, it makes sense. It makes it harder for me to quit. So what we did is we, we made a Google form. We don't make people sign it, but we do make them have to fill out a Google form. In order to quit, we don't cancel them until they fill this out. Um, but it's basically an exit survey. So we got to ask them, you know, why they quit, any suggestions that they have for us to change to do a better job. And honestly, we have not had one person quit because they're mad at us or they don't like us. It's usually life circumstances. They can't afford it. They're moving on. Maybe they like a better workout somewhere else. But it's not because we're giving them poor service. Yeah. Definitely agree with that one. Um, I definitely want to touch on retention, but what currently you said you want to be around 10 to 15 net a month. What's the current net? Uh, current net is ballpark. You know, uh, yeah, ballpark's probably the five to seven right now. 
Okay. Yeah, we're not, we're not where we want to be. Yeah. All right. So speaking of retention, you know, what, you know, Legends Boxing, what kind of things are implemented right now or in place as far as accountability for your members? You know, whether we're tracking their progress, follow-up calls, you know, kind of what's that process like? So um, as far as the franchise goes, they have a retention system where we have seven touches with a new member within their first 90 days. Um, and it's up to each franchise to decide what kind of touches are they. Are they going to be able to call them, give them a phone call, ask them how they're doing? Are we going to send them a text? You know, how are we going to talk to them in person, catching that class or whatever? Seven times in 90 days is what our goal is. But I don't think that's as effective enough, I've learned. So what we've done at our gym is we set up two new programs. We call it the uh, lightweight. Um, no, yeah, we call it the lightweight program and the middleweight program. And so when people join, we give them a special um, reward if they come 10 times in the first month. Um, and we stay, on, we stay on track with them. Like, hey, you're at five. You only have five more to come. And we reach out to them and let them know where they're at with the lightweight award. And then we make a big deal of it when we do get the lightweight award. Take a picture of them and put them on social media. Tell all the all the classes that they you know officially got ten times their first month. And then the middleweight award is if they come fifteen times in the second month. And so we stay on them about that too. So really, what I've learned is we got to get members coming, uh, and they got to make it a habit. And then they re and then we retain them for a lot longer. We did they, and a lot of times people just come once or twice and leave if you don't stay on them. The other thing is that if a person hasn't been to class for a long time, we have our head coach reaching out and texting them and saying that um, she misses them and welcomes them back to class and things like that. And that's helped our retention rate quite a bit too. But the main point is you got to get members coming and making it a habit to come. You got to do that earlier, else you probably will lose them. Yeah, you got you to make the the commitment on your end and your, your staff's end to really passionately reach out to those people versus just, hey, where you been? Miss you, blah, blah, blah. Because people, I don't I mean, I'm a people person. I, I can tell if someone's just shoot me a message just to shoot me a message. Or if it's like, hey, you know, I noticed that you were in class three, four, five times a week, so-and-so and so, you know, now you kind of dropped off after the next couple of weeks and now I don't see you. What's, what's, you know, what's changed? And mm -hmm. you, know, you feel the genuineness in there. And so accountability is huge, you know, with your current systems in place, how, you know, in the current attrition in place, how do you feel that's been contributing to keeping members longer? I think it's helping our, our attrition members, our attrition numbers have been going down since we instilled this lightweight middleweight program and actually taking action on it and calling the members and things like that. Like I said, at one point, I think we we're around 12 or 15% or yeah, 12 or 15% attrition. And now we're like around 8% or so. So it's, it's helped significantly. It's not where we want to be yet, but it's helping. As long as it's helping, that's, oh, you know, it's always great for the gym owners. So, um, well, we touched a little bit on everything, you know, Matt, and uh, what I want, another thing that I wanted to ask is, you know, long-term, long you know, for you, it sounds like you have some other things that you're, you know, involved in as well, aside from like Legends Boxing, mm -hmm. you know, what, what's the, the ultimate goal for you? Like, let's, let's talk three to five years, you know, you get, you know, maybe some marketing things, right. You get some, some higher net conversions, right. You know, what, what does that do for you? Where, you know, three to five years, you have maybe two, three, four locations. I don't know how many you want to open, but you know, what's, what's the ultimate end goal? Um, the ultimate goal, end goal for me is, um, so I'm not, you know, my, my full-time job is I'm a franchise consultant. And so 
what I what that means is I help people that want to own a franchise find the right franchise to buy. I'm a matchmaker, I'm like an eHarmony for franchises, kind of matching yeah. people to the right franchise based on their lifestyle and their goals and things like that. That's what I do a full time, and I really enjoy it. And I will say, probably one of the mistakes I made um, with um, with Legends opening a, a gym in Scottsdale is I'm not there. Now, I want to be semi-absentee. I don't want to be a full-time owner. I don't want to be in the gym working every day and things like that. Um, but I think that it's a little too far away for me to effectively manage. You know, sometimes I find out problems too late when I could have nipped them in the bed if, if the location was um, closer. So my ultimate goal is to get our gym uh, profitable or more profitable and probably sell it to somebody that does live there locally and then open up, um, you know, another franchise or more where I actually live in Utah so I can have my fingers on it a little bit more. That's my ultimate goal. Awesome. Love that. And you're the first person that I've actually heard do franchise consulting. So that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it is really cool. I get kind of a bird's eye view of what other franchises are doing. See a lot of boutique fitness franchises out there. I see what they're doing, what we're not doing. Um, you know, and so it's really, it's, it's a good situation to be in. Yeah, absolutely. Especially because, you know, some supplemental sides here, you can kind of, okay, well, they do this and they do this and you can almost cultivate in a sense, you know, per some restrictions, you know, essentially what you want your systems and processes and things like that want to be and, you know, kind of, you know, guinea pig it, I guess. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's exciting. I mean, um, I have a candidate about a stretch lab. Are you familiar with stretch lab? You know, I am. I am. I just heard of that not too long ago. Yeah. Um, they bought a stretch lab and they opened it up last fall. She's been open for four or five months in California there. And from day one, she's been making at least 10 grand a month profit. Um, and she's never been a business owner in her life. She's in her 20s. She used to be a firefighter. And it's just really impressive on what an effective franchise system can do for um, their owners. And uh, it's been a great success. So I know that there's a lot of money in boutique fitness when you find the right franchise and the right systems um, to do it with. Yeah, absolutely. You know, side question that I want to ask here in your, in your expertise and your experience, when finding a franchise and finding a person to that wants to own that franchise or be uh, in ownership of that franchise, where's the biggest disconnect you see that you know if somebody comes to you or vice versa you find somebody and they're telling themselves about you and where's like a biggest disconnect or the biggest connect that you see as far as them being the right fit or if you see in your eyes this person's going to be great for this or this person has no idea what they're doing they're not going to do well but this is what they want mm -hmm. um i would say um you got to be in reality you know if a person can be realistic so, you know, as far as, as, far as a, a bricks and mortar or retail type uh, business, boutique fitness being one of them, they got to be realist, realistic and understand that the biggest expenses is going to be rent and payroll. And those are big fixed expenses. And they got to hustle to make sure that they get their membership to the numbers where it can break even or pay for those things. And they got to have the balls to do it, so to speak, which means they, they, they've got to have probably experience not running a business necessarily in their past, but um, being a corporate employer or whatever, and being able to prove that they've been able to do it for their company. Um, and then the next thing is they they need to have some, uh, they know how to manage, they need to know how to manage people and know how to create a great culture amongst their employees um, because culture is really, really important in owning a business. A lot of people work, will work for a lot less money if they enjoy with where if they enjoy where they work. Um, so it's really important that the owner know how to and has the skills to make a great culture and make it a great place for people who want to work. 
And if they don't, you know, if they don't have a personality that can do that or don't have experience, they're probably not going to be the best uh, franchisee um, in the world. That's probably the biggest thing. And the last thing is they need to be able to follow systems. Um, they can't be mavericks and go rogue on themselves. If that's what they want to do, they should just go start a business on their own outside the franchising world because the franchise is there because they already have effective systems and processes in place and it's best not to fight the system. I agree with that wholeheartedly. It's like, if uh, if it didn't work, they wouldn't have it. Yeah. To to some degree. Right. That's right. Cool, man. Uh, well, last two things here. I think it's a good place to wrap up. We covered a lot of good stuff here today. You know, last thing to kind of piggyback off what you just said, but in your own eyes, as far as entrepreneurship, if somebody's looking to open up their own fitness facility, whether it's a franchise, whether it's, you know, uh, a boxing studio or a fitness studio or a gym, a personal training, you know, what, what words of advice would you give somebody that's looking to start? Um, my words of advice is uh, make sure you have some working capital. Um, it's not just how much money it costs to start at the place. You got to have enough working capital to pay the bills to so break even. Um, that'd probably be my number one advice. And my next word of advice would be to, um, to really run the numbers hard. Um, so you know where your break even is. Um, and we're, and I, I, you know what, let me take that back. The second word of advice is hire a coach. If you can have somebody mentor you that's done it before, or a professional coach has done it before in the same industry, do it, hire that person. It's well worth your money. So you don't have to learn how to do it the hard way. Love that, Matt. Appreciate that. And then last but not least, you'll go ahead and give a shout out for Legends Boxing. If somebody's in the area or they want to at least check you out and they're listening, how can they reach out to your facility? Yeah, if somebody wants to come check out our facility, um, well, like I said earlier, come and try a free class. Um, give us a call. Talk to Melissa. She's our general manager there. Um, our number is 602-545-7600. Or you can go to legendsboxing.com and check us out and sign up on there. We'll get the lead and we'll give you a call right away. Awesome. Appreciate that, Matt. And so for everybody out there listening, if you're, you know, maybe in the Scottsdale area or surrounding areas, you know, there's the Valley there, go check them out, check out the studio, everything that they got going on. And most importantly, uh, you know, get a great workout in. If this story inspired you or made you think, Hey, I want to be on this show, feel free to click on the link below, type in your information. We'll reach out to you and we'll get you on the show. But until then, y'all, that's been another episode of the Jim Lords podcast. Jim Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.